you know, while we're uh, dismissing them, you know, why participate in an interest group? Um, you know, ever since I turned 50, I'm 52 now, and ever since I turned 50, someone, I realized that somebody stole my energy. I mean, it, it just, all my year, all my life, I've been a high energy person, high metabolism, very high energy, but at age 50, it stopped. <laughs> it just went away, and I have some some police officer friends who are investigating to find out who took it. But it, and reason why it's important is because I've, you know, I've always been high energy, in shape, you know, exercising and everything, but I quit because I didn't have the, the energy nor the desire nor the will and everything. But I wanted to. I wanted to start again, but I, you know, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm on my way home. I'm going to exercise, do the treadmill or, you know, all other kinds of things. And then I get home. The couch calls out to me, and I hear the calling, and I respond to that calling, and I sit on the couch and don't want to get back up. And it's been frustrating as well as even depressing because I see such a dramatic change in my uh, activity level. And, and frustrating because it's like I had the desire to, but not the will to. And then uh, Chuck started his group called 40%. And like you said, if you want to know what that means, you have to sign up. You have to join the group. Um, but it's all about activity and, and basically just doing different kinds of exercises and, and, and that kind of thing. And starting that group has helped me to get started. And, I'm, and this last week, last Friday, uh, as he says, they, uh, a group of them will run around Boomer, um, do a lap around Boomer, which is three point something miles. And I was able to join them this last Friday. And of course, it's all exciting and everything. And then we go, and then about, oh, 20 seconds into it, it's not exciting anymore. It's like, really, am I really doing this? And you start thinking of the excuses as to why you should quit, you know. But as we're going and... and um, um, and it was so neat because all the other guys are younger than I am and in better shape and everything, but they didn't make me feel that way. And the interesting thing is, is I, I ran Boomer a, a few weeks ago when we did the Stillwater Life Services event, and I ran it again this time, and I, I shaved off about four or five minutes on my time. Now, that wouldn't have happened if I had done it by myself. One, if I were by myself, I wouldn't even be out there. I'd be sitting on the couch. First of all, but secondly, it was so cool because the guys that I was running with were very encouraging. And, you know, as I was running my three point something miles, and they ended up running what four and a half miles or something like that. Because what they would do is, as I as I would fall behind, which was often, as I would fall behind, they would they would take off on a spur and run extra, and then would not catch up. Then they'd catch up with me, and then we'd go while I'd fall behind again. They would you know run extra, and we made it all the way around. And I remember the last several hundred feet. They would come back to me and say, you got this. You can do this. You can do this. And then I made it, and I looked at my time. I realized that I beat my, my previous time. And my point of, this, of sharing this story is, is that, you know, there are, there are some things that you're going to be able to accomplish in life. But there are a lot of great things that you're not going to be able to accomplish by yourself. You're only going to be able to accomplish the great things that God has put in your life with the help of community. I believe God has designed us that way. The word is full of it. There's scriptures that talk about not forsaking the assembling together. Because when we come together for the purpose of encouraging one another, to love and good works, encouraging one another to do wonderful things that God has put in our hearts to do. And so this is why we're encouraging you guys to, to participate in these interest groups. It's not just to give you something to do because you're bored. Because we know that's not the case. But it's to encourage you to, to link up with community and do life together. To help you accomplish the amazing things that God has put in your path to accomplish. So please check with one of these uh, different leaders and make sure you sign up for an interest group. All right. Let's go ahead and get started. John chapter 14, uh, starting with verse 1. I guess I need to find it. It would be helpful. John chapter 14, Gospel of John, New King James Version. All right, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we say, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, I will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. I'm going to pause there for a second. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. The works that I do. That word works let me find my place in the in the Greek. The Greek word for that word is called ergon. And it means business, employment, that which anyone is occupied. That which one undertakes to do, enterprise, undertaking, any product, whatever, and anything accomplished by hand, art, industry, or mind. An act, deed, or a thing done. And I'm going to jump to uh, Matthew 12, excuse me, Matthew 11, 2 through 5. And it says, and when John had heard, now it's talking about uh, John the Baptist. When John had heard in prison about the works that word works is again Erdogan, of Christ. When he had um, heard about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Then Jesus answered and said to him, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. The point I'm wanting to bring out in this at this moment is the word works. He's talking about miracles. He's talking about these things, the lame walking, the blind seeing, all the things that we know that Jesus is, is famous for doing and that, that he's known for doing, miracles and those kinds of things. I just want to bring that to your attention. And back in John chapter 4, excuse me, John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works, which we just talked about, that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. So Jesus is talking about certain types of works, miracles and those kinds of things. And then he says, those of you who believe in me, and the word really means who continue to believe in me, you know, walking in relationship with the Father, the works that I do shall you do also. In other words, the same kind of works Jesus did, he's saying, we shall do also. Okay, moving on. He says, because I go to my Father. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now let's jump over the, uh, excuse me, to John 16. 
starting with verse 5. So continuing, first of all, this conversation that Jesus is having is towards the end of his ministry. It's after the, the, uh, the Last Supper that we traditionally know, the Last Supper. And it's also after, after Judas has left. Because I never realized that before. I never really thought of that before. Because remember, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And then they're all saying, is it I? Is it I? Who's going to betray Jesus? And then Jesus tells Judas, whatever you need to do, whatever you must do, do. And then Judas left. But the guys still didn't know why Judas was leaving. They thought he was leaving to do something, to prepare something. They didn't know that he was leaving to, um, to betray Jesus. So Judas leaves, and then Jesus has this discourse with his disciples. And so continuing in, in John chapter 16, verse 5, it says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So what's happening is Jesus is about to leave. He's about to go to the cross. Now, the disciples don't realize this yet, even though he keeps telling them, I'm going to be killed and that kind of thing. But that's about to happen. And so he's telling them, I'm about to leave you. And they're all freaking out and getting sorrowful and everything. He says, but it is actually to your advantage. It is better for you that I leave because I'm going to send someone back to you. And the one he sends back is the Holy Spirit, who Jesus calls. There's a number of uh, names for him. He's our helper, our comforter, our, um, our guide, our teacher. But Holy Spirit is also... God. And that's something we need to realize. And Holy Spirit is not an it, but he is a person, part of the Trinity. Because a lot of times when we talk about Holy Spirit, because he's hard to understand, I mean, it is a mystery. I mean, I can't explain, nobody can explain to you him. Is, is, it's complicated. I mean, because we're talking, we have one God, but three, one and three, you know the Trinity? I mean, explain that to me. Never mind. But it's very complicated. However, we know that somehow the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're together. They're one in essence and everything, but they're separate. Separate, I think separate personalities, separate functions. Because we know, and you know, because some people don't believe in the Trinity, which if, if you don't read the Bible, I can understand you not believing in the Trinity. But if you believe, if read the Bible and believe what it says, you'll see one example of the Trinity or the perfect place is when Jesus was being baptized. Anybody remember that? When he was baptized, Jesus was baptized, came up out of the water, the heavens opened up, and the Father spoke to him. And his Father said, my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Remember that? So you see Jesus being baptized, and you hear the Father speaking to him. Well, I don't know if people heard him. I can't remember, I think. Anyway, the Father speaking, and it also says the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit landed on Jesus like a dove. Now, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit was a representation. Now, I can't explain all that either. But the point is, Jesus was empowered when the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized. So he was baptized in water, and then he received the Holy Spirit. And then he did all the miracles that he did by the power of Holy Spirit. You with me so far? Now, I believe that, you know, back in the day, way back in the day before any of us existed, when it was just Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because he says, let us make man in our image. And I believe in the way my brain can kind of put it together is, is Holy Spirit is the, is the power one. He's the one that does the power stuff. 
that kind of thing. And so we see in the New Testament when Jesus was baptized, power of Holy Spirit came upon him, he received him, and then he did all these, these cool things. So moving forward to the point that when Jesus says, I am leaving you, and it is to your advantage because when I leave, I'm sending someone back. Now, how can it be to our advantage, or how, excuse me, how can it be to the disciples' advantage or our advantage that Jesus has to leave? I mean, wouldn't you rather have Jesus here in the flesh? It was like, Jesus, I would rather have you. The disciples had the distinct privilege of walking with Jesus for three and a half years, and they had him in the flesh. I mean, physically, they could touch him. They could hug him. They could sit next to him. They could lean on him like John did at the Last Supper. They could have physical communion and and communication with him. So when Jesus says, I got to go, but I'm sending somebody else. They're like, I don't want anybody else. I want you. So how could it be to their advantage and our advantage that Jesus leave? I mean, wouldn't you rather have Jesus in the flesh? Practically speaking, if Jesus were here right now, if he were to manifest right now, it would be all cool and everything that, whoa, look at Jesus. I mean, we'd probably fall on our face. We'd scream. I mean, all kinds of reactions would happen if he literally manifested. And it would be cool and all that until it was time to go home. Because, see, he wouldn't be going home with y'all. He'd be going home with me. But you see where I'm going with that? All of a sudden, Jesus has to go somewhere. He can't go with all of us at the same time. So all the questions, and let's say if we all stayed here in this room. Say, oh, you know what? We want to be with Jesus from here until whenever. But you all have questions you want to ask him. You all have deep things in your heart you want to talk to him about. You know the things that he has put in your heart to do? You want to talk to him about those things. But guess what? you got to wait in line. Because I'm first. And so we have all of us here that are Christians. But wait. The other Christians in Stillwater find out that Jesus is here. So they all come. But wait, all the other Christians in Oklahoma find out that he's here. So they all come. So we have to move outside because obviously we can't fit in here. But wait, people all over the United States find out that Jesus is here. And next thing you know, you have millions of people here because Jesus is here and we all want to talk with him. Right? You still with me? So guess what? You're one of a million people who have to wait in line to talk to Jesus. So do you see why it was to our advantage when Jesus said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to send. Here's how I see what he said. I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back in a way, in a form, where all of you can speak to me at the same time. Holy Spirit. Do you realize that I can go to my house and Glencoe and, and Miguel can go to his house and we at the exact same time can have communication, intimate communication with Jesus at the very same time. And Jesus doesn't even get confused. He didn't say, hold on a second, Miguel, I'm talking to CJ. Yeah, what was that? Pause. He didn't have to do all that. Somehow, by the power of Holy Spirit, by his presence being all present, we can all have a relationship with Holy Spirit at the very same time. And Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus, but different. In other words, if you're talking to Jesus, I mean, excuse me, if you're talking to Holy Spirit, don't think that as he's talking to you and communing with you, that you're getting second-rate answers. It's like, you know, Holy Spirit, I know you're, you're pretty cool and all that, but man, I really wish Jesus were here because he, I mean, he knows a lot more than you. That's not the way it is. Holy Spirit would say and do, does say and do, every single thing that Jesus would say and do if he were there in your presence. He's the same. Are you with me? So why is this important? Remember Jesus said, those who believe in me, the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works. Remember he said even greater works. And then he says, here's how that's going to happen. 
because I go to the Father. Because I go to the Father. Which means, see, remember when Jesus was empowered? When he received who? Holy Spirit. When he came upon him at baptism. That's when you notice there's, not, there's no recorded miracle by Jesus before he was baptized and received Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't. When he was 12, maybe, but it, it's not written. It's not recorded. But once he was baptized and received Holy Spirit, that's when it starts recording the powerful things that he did. When he stopped the storms, when he healed the blind, he healed, did all kinds of wonderful things. And then he said, you, I'm deputizing and commissioning you to do the very same things that I did, but greater. He says, because I go to the Father. Which means, I go to the Father, I send Holy Spirit back to you all. And you'll all be able to do the very same things that I did. But instead of having one anointed Christ-like person, we have however many are in this room. The moment you were born again, the moment you said, Jesus, I'm yours, however you said it, you said, I am yours, period. At that instant, his Holy Spirit came inside of you, and what happened was you were called what we call born again. His Spirit came inside of your spirit, and boom, a new creation came into existence. There's never been anybody in the past, or no, nor there ever will be someone like you. God's Spirit, your Spirit connected. New creation. So, the moment you're born again, His Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of you. Down payment. Another term that the Bible uses, we get Him as a down payment. Holy Spirit. So how many of you are born again? Raise your hand, please. Okay. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, I want to ask you to stand up. Only those who have Holy Spirit inside of you. I want to ask you to stand up. If you're able to stand up. You can just raise your hand, Christine. You're, you're <laughs> okay, now, those of you who should be standing up are those who are born again. Because when you're born again, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Are you with me? Holy Spirit is inside of you. Okay, you may be, you may be seated. Holy Spirit is inside of you because you're born again. Holy Spirit is inside of you because you're born again. But if the spirit of him, if the spirit of Jesus who raised, or him, I guess of God, spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Through his spirit who dwells in you. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Who's inside of you? Holy Spirit, right? Now, now we know that we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had, right? That raised him from the dead, right? However, it's important for you to understand that the Holy Spirit in you is a smaller version of the one that dwells in me because I'm a pastor and you're not. When Holy Spirit came inside of you, he said, oh, you're just a regular person, so I'm just going to give you a smaller measure of me, except for, hold on, hold on. Those of, how many of you have a, a PhD in your title and your name? PhD, or even a master's? Raise your hands. Okay, you guys have a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys uh, have been on a mission trip before? Yeah, you guys also have a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. Somebody's <laughs> like, yes, I qualify for the bigger one. So those who are more mature, 
those who are full-time ministries, for our traditional pastors, missionaries, we have a greater measure of the Holy Spirit than those of you who ain't. I'm not getting a lot of agreement. Now, that sounds pretty absurd, doesn't it? Doesn't that, what I just said, doesn't that sound pretty absurd? But how many of us act like that? How many of us live like or we believe like or whatever that the Holy Spirit in pastor is greater than the Holy Spirit that's in me? Are you hearing me? See, now when we hear it audibly, it doesn't make any sense. But sometimes the way we act lines up with that crazy thinking. You have the very same The very same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You know how much power it takes to raise Jesus from the dead? Or to raise anybody from the dead? It takes a lot of power. Would you agree? And that power is a person. His name is Holy Spirit. And he dwells within you. Same Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also, and even greater works because I go. So the greater works are going to happen after Jesus did something. He went and he sent someone back. And he said, I'm sending back the helper to you, the comforter. He's going to lead you into all truth. And he says, and it's to your advantage that I go away. And I think we have a better understanding, a little bit better understanding, why it's to our advantage that Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came back. Because I get to have an intimate up close and personal every single day, 24-7, 365, anytime I want to, access to the Father through Holy Spirit. I can talk to Him anytime, all the time. At the same time, all of you are doing the same thing. We don't have to wait in line. And it has nothing to do with my status or your status. It has nothing to do with my gender or your gen- uh, ge- gender. Excuse me, gender. We all have access to him. Holy Spirit living in us. You getting that so far? Do you realize that he's in you? You have Holy Spirit within you. You have the same capacity to do the very you have the capacity to do the very same things that Jesus did. When you were born again, Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of your spirit. He is in you. He is inside of you. I want to ask you a question. What are your expectations of me as your pastor? I'm asking you to say this out loud, but just in your thinking. What are your expectations of me as your pastor? And my next question is, are your expectations biblical or traditional? Are your expectations biblical or are they traditional? Because you know there's only, I I know of at least one and it might be one, it might be twice, I forgot to look it up. There's only a couple of times when pastor is actually used in the Bible, in the New Testament. Well, it's only in the New Testament, there's only one or maybe two times. But there are a lot of descriptions of pastors or things that they're supposed to do that's not actually in the Bible. But I'm going to read one thing that pastors are supposed to do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Excuse me, verse 11 through 16. It says, and he himself... Talking about Jesus, if you read the verses ahead of this, it says, talking about Jesus gave gifts to the church. And then it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So Jesus gave these fivefold gifts to the church, pastors included, and this is the reason why that he says, He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for this purpose, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. But my question is, who's supposed to do the work of the ministry, you or me? 
<laughs> Trick question. Both of us, all of us, right? Traditionally, who's supposed to do all the ministry? I mean, in, in people's traditional thinking, when we think of, oh, you're a minister. What do I get called by in society? Oh, you're a minister. Hey, minister. I'm a minister, which means I'm in the ministry, which means I do the ministry. Me, pastor. And everybody sits and watches me do the ministry. But here's what Jesus said. He gave some of his apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. How many of you guys stood up a few minutes ago? If you're born again, you is a saint. I said it like that so you'd hear me. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body... Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Everyone say every joint. Every joint supplying. Now every joint, remember he's being figurative. He's using the body, human body, as a, an analogy. Talking about the body of Christ. Okay, we understand that? He says every joint supplies. So every joint would be figurative of every person. Would you agree with that? So every person plays a part, every saint plays a part in the body of Christ being built up and edified. You see that? If you look at this whole passage, it's talking about us doing all this together. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So first of all, the pastors aren't supposed to be the ones doing all the ministry. We do some, but so is everyone else. Okay? And here's what I'm getting at. We have to realize, well, back up. My job, according to Scripture, is to equip the saints. I'm an equipping ministry. Equipping you to do the work of the ministry that God has given you, given us. So I'm to equip, help you, so you effectively do the ministry. Do you know why Pearl of Grace Ranch is going to be impacting young women powerfully? You know why? Because it's not a bunch of pastors doing it. Are you hearing me? It's ladies anointed of Holy Spirit who have received that calling and that passion, that burden, to love these ladies that God puts in their control, in their charge. They're called, they're equipped, they're anointed. If they had the traditional mindset, Pastor, you need to come do this. We have some girls, we have 16 girls, we have 32 girls. We need you to come and help these girls because they need a lot of help. But that's not the way it really works in the kingdom, does it? These girls are going to be powerfully impacted because ladies are coming together, receiving the call, anointed of Holy Spirit, full of Holy Spirit, listening to Holy Spirit as he leads them in ministering effectively to these girls. Whatever God has called you to do, he's called you to impact people powerfully. So my job as an equipper is to equip you to do the work of the ministry effectively. One important ingredient of equipping you is to help you realize what you got. If we're about to go to battle, let's say we're a, now I'm making all this up because I have no clue. I've never been in the military. But if we're about to go to battle and we have a special op, special operation that we have to do to go rescue some people. And I'm the commander. I'm the lead commander. 
So here's what we're about to do. First of all, I'm going to let you know about the weapons and the stuff that you have at your disposal, right? Because if you don't know anything about your weapons and your gear, then you're in trouble. Because you're going to need weapons, you're going to need gear to go and accomplish the mission that you have set before you if you're going to be successful. We have a mission. And the number one thing I want you to realize that you have is Holy Spirit. You have the whole kingdom of heaven at your disposal because you got God himself. He says, I am coming and I'm dwelling in you. His spirit is inside of you. You know how Jesus says the miracles that he did, you will do also? See, we think of that and we say, well, I don't really get that. I think he's speaking metaphorically. No, the reason why you can do the very same things he did because he's inside of you. He is inside of you. And he desires to do the very same things he did before. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When he was on this planet, he loved people passionately. He loved people powerfully. He loved them effectively. And guess what? He's still the same. He wants to do the very same things, but guess what? He has more people that he gets to do it through. He's a whole lot more excited about this than we are. He says, you know, because when Jesus walked on the earth, he was limited. He could only be at one place at one time. But now, if there's 100 people in this room, he could be in 100 places at the same time and powerfully impact people 100 times more than he could when he walked the earth. We are his fruit. And so what I'm wanting you to understand, and and it's so funny because the Holy Spirit changed this on me this morning. I get up to work on my message, kind of tighten it up, to get ready to preach today, and he changed the whole thing. I was not going to be talking about this today. And I'm not going to say he tricked me. I'm not going to say that. But I wasn't thinking like he was. I was thinking I was going to share on something else that I'd been thinking about and preparing for for the last couple of weeks, which I will get to. But this is like a big precursor to what we're about to talk about later. But the thing he wants you to get is him inside of you. If you get that, it's a game changer. It is the game changer. We are trying to get from people what only we can get from God. We are trying to receive from people, whether it's comfort, whether it's wisdom, whether it's something that we can only get from him. Now listen, what I'm not saying is we can only get comfort and only get wisdom from God. I'm not saying that. But hear what I am saying. There is stuff, important, big stuff, that we will only be able to get from him. But we're trying to get it all from people. There are things that God wants to give you to to put in your heart. Ideas, I believe, I firmly believe this. That any of those of you who are businessmen, entrepreneurs, you should have the craziest inventions, the best business deals, because you have Holy Spirit in you. And I believe there are things he wants to tell you. He wants to release stuff on this earth. Creative ideas. I mean, he already has. There's all kinds of crazy ideas, wonderful ideas that have benefited mankind. For good, for, I mean, saving lives and for pleasure. I mean, good stuff. And he wants more. But I believe he wants to do it through his kids. But many of us aren't listening. We're not posturing ourselves to listen to him to receive what he has for us. And I want to encourage you, and he wants to encourage you today He's saying, son, daughter, I am with you. I am inside of you. Talk to me. Spend time with me. See, it's not about spending time with him. So, you know, just reading our Bible and praying and giving him our prayer list. It's about getting to know him. It's about listening to him. Lord, what do you want to say to me? I was talking to my wife this morning and I realized something. I told her, I said, you know what I realized, Lisa? Every single major challenge that I've gone through in my life. I was reminiscing, thinking back over the hard, most difficult times that I've had in my life that I can remember. I didn't receive just answers. I didn't receive comfort to, just to, to survive. But I was able to overcome. 
I was able to flourish because I had learned to connect with Holy Spirit, and he gave me something that caused me to overcome in that situation. Now, at the same time, I had been comforted by people. My wife comforted me. My friends encouraged me, comforted me. But there were things that I only got from him directly and caused me to overcome. That caused me to overcome. And I want to share one quick story, then we're going to close. One of the scariest times I've had that I can remember, the scariest ministry assignment that I had, I was with Dale and Teresa, and we were in, I was going to say Mexico. We were in someplace. Africa, yeah, Kenya. We had landed in Kenya to see Joash. We landed in the airport. Joash came to pick us up. We get in the car, and we're, you know, doing our pleasantries. And, and, and I'd never been to Africa before. Matter of fact, the, the, uh, I think Dale might have been before. Teresa and I hadn't because Dale went with Steve and Bill first, if I remember right. So Dale had been there before. Me and Teresa had not. And so we land, and it's like, talking about sensory overload. You go to a new country like Africa, I mean, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's crazy. It's just all this sensory overload was happening. And I was just, my mouth was dropped open. I was just gazing, gawking, like, wow, this is cool. This, I'm actually here in Africa. It's amazing. And then Joash um, ruined it all. I was in the back seat. Me and Teresa were in the back seat. Dale was in the front seat. And then he says, oh, brother, he says, um, one of our elders' sons passed away. I want you to do the funeral. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, first of all, I had never done a funeral at that point. Or he wanted me to preach at the funeral. Yeah, I didn't have to do the funeral. That's a whole different story. He said, I want you to preach at the funeral. I think he said, would I? I think he asked. I think he's least that courteous to ask. And I was going to say, no. But before I could think of how I was going to answer the brother and say, I'm sorry, I can't do that, do that, I was trying to formulate that. Holy Spirit, who I wish I maybe didn't know at that point, he said, son, remember why you're here. Because he told me when we had the privilege of going, he said, I'm going to serve. My job is to serve however he needs us to serve. And he says, I would like you to preach at the funeral. Now, I was terrified. And I'm obviously not expressing any kind of the emotion that I felt at that time. I was terrified. I don't know if I've ever, I've never had a panic attack. Maybe then I did. I mean, but the feelings I had, the overwhelming fear and anxiety that came on me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Not only had I never done a funeral or preached at a funeral, I'd never even been to Africa. I didn't know what their protocol, what their tradition, I didn't know anything about that. I'd never done a funeral in the United States of America at that point. And I was terrified. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why would you ask me that? I mean, it was way over my head. I couldn't enjoy the scenery anymore. I didn't enjoy anything. I didn't see anything else. All I could think, oh, my goodness, what have I, what put me back on the plane? I was really scared. So all I, could, I couldn't wait to get to the hotel, where he, and he dropped us off so we could rest, because, you know, jet lag and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't wait to get to my room. I got to my room, and I said, oh, God. And I was just crying out to him. I didn't know what to do. And here's what happened. Now, first of all, what I appreciate is what I had learned at an early time in my Christian walk from Pastor Dale was having a relationship with Holy Spirit. He would challenge me, spending time with Jesus, spending time with the Lord, spending time with the Lord. And what that meant was reading the Word, and spending time with the Lord. And so I had learned that over and over and over. He even challenged me. I was doing an hour. Hour of power, baby. Yeah. And I was proud that I was spending an hour a day with the Lord. I had arrived. 
And then the pastor has the audacity to say, I challenge you to go two hours. It's like, what? I don't even know if Jesus has that much time. Two hours a day? Are you kidding me? So anyway, that's how he challenged me way back in the day, and I was able to do that. So I had learned about the Lord and learning to hear from him, learning to, I mean, he's a real person. Even though he's invisible, even though I can't see him, I realize how real he is. And so here I am, fast forward back to Joash asking me that question. I'm in this room, and I'm about to have a panic attack. Well, actually, I was already having one. I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't. I was trying to think of how to get out of it. He said, son, settle down. And I just begin to pray in tongues, pray in my prayer language. When all else fails, pray in tongues. I just begin to worship him because I was like, I need help. SOS, major. And I felt him sit on the bed with me, not physically. You understand what I'm saying? I felt his presence sit on the bed with me. It's like he put his arm around me. And he calmed me down. And he started asking me questions. Literally, started asking me questions. He said, son, if it were your son. And actually, those of you who know my son Joseph, who's 23 right now, he was nine years old at this time. This young boy that died was nine years old. He was a few days different in age of my son Joseph. He said, son, what if this were your son? What would you want to hear at this funeral? What would you not want to hear? And he began to ask me question after question. So I began to jot stuff down, began to write things down. And I was telling my wife this this morning because I don't know if I ever had before. So I got through that time. I was energized. I was fired up. I was passionate. I couldn't wait to preach at the funeral. I went from being terrified to I can't wait. I preached the message, which I have no clue what it was. I don't remember. And I told my wife this morning, I said, years later, after that, I mean, right after that, and then months, and then years, and then years, and years would go by, and Joash, he would contact me, or we would see each other, or he'd email me, and he would tell me that he ran into somebody who brought up, the, who was at that funeral, and they would share how their lives were impacted by the message at that funeral. Time, and time, and time, and time, and time again. I preached the gospel. People gave their lives to Jesus. Now, the point of that is not, well, look what I did. I know how terrified and insignificant and incapable of doing that that I was. I know that. I can express that to you, but I know what was inside of me as far as myself. But here's what happened. The one who was able to preach a wonderful message was with me and inside of me. And he was saying, son... Will you partner with fear and not accept this assignment, or will you partner with me and allow me to work through you? And I chose the latter answer. And I got to experience something that I would not have experienced if I would have said no. Conclusion. Holy Spirit is in you. He wants to do amazing, incredible, wonderful, powerful and normal things with you and through you. The reason why I say normal, because we can think of, oh, it's time to talk to him when something great is about to happen, or a big challenge. No, everyday life, he wants you to know him. Would you stand with me, please? Put your hand on your heart. You know, I know we all believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We all believe in Holy Spirit. But I just want to ask us together to ask Him to help us to become more aware of His presence, more aware of His reality, 
and there's practical. We're going to ask him to do that supernaturally. I mean, he already has, and, and just ask him to do what he wants to do. But I want to encourage you practically. There are things that you can do to increase your, your remembrance of him, and that is talk to him. Just talk to him. Good morning, Holy Spirit. How are you? Now, you can call him Father, Jesus, or Holy Spirit. I don't know who to tell you to call him. And I don't think he's going to be offended if you call him by the wrong name. Okay? So let's not, because I know it gets confusing. Am I talking to Jesus? Am I talking to the Father? Am I, you know, forget all that. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. Even set reminders on your, on your phone or your watch or whatever. 805, 8.35, 5.15, talk to Holy Spirit. Just do practical things to increase your awareness of his reality in you. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in us. We know what your word says about who you are and what you do. We agree with that. We believe it. But we want to experience you. We want to hear you. We want to give our ears to you to partner with you in everyday life so that when the big challenges come, we will already recognize your voice. We will already know how to commune with you so that we can hear you in the challenges, in the crisis, in the the big events. Thank you, Father, for doing that. Help me to remember to engage you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But God bless you, and you guys have a wonderful day, wonderful week, and we'll see you next time.